we need to have primary care access points in these communities. The communities cannot just turn around and hope that somebody will bring it to them. They gotta work to bring it for their communities. Ed Ullman is the owner and pharmacy manager of Wellness RX, a holistic and patient-centered pharmacy in Tannersville, and soon, Phoenicia. Far from the chain store aesthetic or lack thereof, the Tannersville location where we met is a meticulously painted Victorian with a wraparound porch. Inside, there's a warm general store vibe with wood floors and pharmacy cases, with a diverse inventory of traditional, natural, and holistic medicine, plus home goods, gifts, and crafts by dozens of local vendors. Ed showed us around, and then we settled into a comfortable consultation room to hear his vision for a sustainable model for rural healthcare. This episode of Cat's Cast is sponsored by the Hanford Mills Museum. Their season begins May 15th. Explore the power of the past as you watch the water wheel bring a working sawmill to life. Bring a picnic to enjoy by the mill pond. For more information about scheduling a tour or about the museum's new exploration days, visit hanfordmills.org or call 607-278-5744. First of all, you have never seen a pharmacy quite like this. So we've been working on it for now 10 years. I made a decision I wanted to see how we can become a key asset in rural communities that are getting squeezed on primary care access, their pharmacies and so on. So this model has kind of developed that way and was to also try to bring in my other background. I was uh, the county mental health director, so I'm very interested in mental health, very interested in public health. We just did uh, uh, almost 900 COVID vaccinations, and uh, we do COVID testing, and we're very much involved with substance abuse, and uh, we give free Narcan. So what we've tried to do is to, one, create an environment uh, for the facilities that are warm and friendly, that smell good, look good, colorful. So we felt that the environment is very critical, especially for seniors and for kids. Um, so we have fish tanks for the kids, we have a wall of their pictures, everything that will make them feel more comfortable that this is their wellness center. That's what we developed from a pharmacy into really a community wellness center. And how do we adapt to what a community needs? This community up here is a little poorer, has had a long history of uh, substance abuse. So we have adapted more to that need. So we have a patient assistance fund that we can help anyone in need on the spot. We just got like a $4,000 check towards that from the church right up the road. We have a charitable trust that helps to provide free or sliding scale of mental health services, could be emergency housing, could be food. We also, in these wellness centers, have to get much better at emergency medicine. So we're almost like a, a triage of helping people to know when they got to get to an urgent care, when they got to get to the hospital or where something might look bad, but it's really superficial and we can take care of it right here. And uh, so any of these isolated areas, 
the wellness centers just have to be more trained to be able to do that. And so I finally had to say, how do we take this model, replicate it, which we now move into Phoenicia, and how do we make sure that it's sustainable and that it has permanence in a community like a library? 30% of our scripts every day make no money. It's just not a sustainable market. It's the same thing for primary care doctors. So we are going to shift to be the first community pharmacy in America to convert to a nonprofit structure. And it's pharmacy for the public good. And uh, what we want to do is to show that, that it will take us time to, to have this conversion, but we then know that the community will support it. Will be grants, uh, will be public, private support, individual donations, people who have moved up from the city and want to, to help support their communities. And we think that model has a much greater opportunity to serve others. Ed's idea for a nonprofit pharmacy will help protect it from corporate predation. He recounts the story of a recent attempt at such a takeover in Tannersville. We'll leap the name of the chain that made that attempt because, well, we all know who the national chains are, and it could just have easily been any one of them moving in for the kill. We had uh, a representative from a month and a half ago. She was a senior corporate acquisition specialist, such a nice title. And so she came in and, and asked for me by name. So when you get right down to it, they want to know, what's your price to go away? So I said to her, I said, all right, look around. Is there a more beautiful pharmacy that you've seen? She goes, no, my God. I go, did you see any public transportation outside? I go, there is none. I go, how long did it take you to get here when you got off the thruway? I don't know. I go, 28 miles, that's how long, up a winding road. So let me get this right. You just said that this is the most beautiful pharmacy that you've seen, but you want to know my number to put this out of business after this community has given me their guts to make us successful. I said, um, when you drive back, ask yourself, is this what you really want for your career? This is what you want your children to see. And I go, but there's one last thing. You're not a pharmacist anymore. You just went to pharmacy college. So separate the two, please. The American pharmaceutical system, the distribution system, has been skewed towards chains, especially in the urban and suburban areas. And that's not what's going on around the world or certainly in Europe. There's a much more greater respect for pharmacy and its history. But this is a recent phenomena that's only occurred in 1980s, not a long time ago. They are a ruthless group of American capitalism, maybe at its best. You know, they know exactly what they're doing. They underprice bids to get the business, and but they basically want to dominate. And mail order is an important part of that. All the school districts around here all went mail order. They only realize their decision to putting out small businesses uh, that are part of the lifeblood of where their employees will live. But I think knowing something about uh, the chain drugstores, they're a very mediocre group. And there is this conflict between their, what they call their front end and then the pharmacy department, which is only a small little department in the back. And they talk a big story, but they don't really do much outside of the dispensing 
of medications. What do I get at this pharmacy that I can't get anywhere else? Good question. Uh, if, if you were to look at the chain experience, um, you'll get, hopefully, the dispensing of your medication on time. Your insurance will be accepted. That might be a nod from the pharmacist. Hi, how you doing? But they don't have the time other than for doing immunizations. So it would be what I would call transactional. Most pharmacists have not gone outside of the box to develop other skills like natural medicine. So it's not like they don't want to. They just have no training at the pharmacy college on the history of the profession. And they haven't taken the time to study other cultures. That skill is a little awkward to them. CBD oil is easier for them to jump in and get involved. But the motivation would be more because it's a higher profit type of thing. Uh, their clinical skills, they have to work on that for it. They're very easily trained, but they're not reimbursed. Pharmacists don't have what's called provider status, that they can get billed for these services. So I did a consultation yesterday with someone for 40 minutes. I wouldn't get paid for it. It was just a, something I could do because I had my other partner here. So I think in this case, this is a true holistic look at the individuals. I have a good sense who they are, where they come from, where they went to school. And this is all built up over a period of, of years and try to reach out with them, ask them questions. We do much more public health. We do mental health. We do uh, at-home visits that would be different. Uh, we have a research and development department. That's why we keep pushing out our Wellness Rx report. We do community education. And I do a weekly radio show for two years with COVID every week. So we're trying to get education out, information for a community at a little bit higher level. So I think what we've been able to show is that you can provide these other services. It's economics as if people really mattered. With the access to primary care going down, the pharmacists have got to step up. And that's what we're trying to show. We're also a teaching facility and have students. Where do we need to go? We need to have a whole department for at-home services. That's what people want their services, especially seniors. We can do so much more bringing services to the people and then they can come here when they can. We need to be involved much more with mental health care because this is what is needed. We have to find models like this that would allow doctors and mental health professionals who burnt out. We just had a three to three and a half percent reduction in clinical capacity through COVID with early retirements. They still good doctors and professionals, but they don't want to work in a corporate structure. So we got to provide more beautiful models that allow people to be treated, as we might say, in a holistic way, but adapting to what it is that they need. A lot of times could be just helping with connectiveness so they're not lonely. So that's what we're doing, and that's the model we want to replicate to communities, and Phoenicia will be our first. More from Ed in a moment. Cats Cast is sponsored by the Mountain Eagle, covering Delaware, Green, and Schoharie counties, including brands for local regions like the Wyndham Weekly, Schoharie News, and Catskills Chronicle. For more information, call 518-763-6854 or email mountaineaglenews at gmail.com. 
and by the 52-mile Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway, following New York State Route 28 through the heart of the central Catskills. For maps, itineraries, and links to area restaurants, shops, and accommodations, visit scenickatskills.com. Tell me a little bit about the interaction between your pharmacy and this village, and also about the upcoming uh, location in Phoenicia and how that'll all work. I never thought that I would have this experience here. It has been so warm and beautiful. When I do a COVID shot, for instance, it's a, a person has to hang around for 15 minutes. So it's a great opportunity to, to, to talk with the people. A pharmacist is a very trusted health professional. Take advantage of that trust and bring it to a different level. And when you listen to people, you get something out of it. It makes you feel good. And as a health professional, you're helping to guide the individual on their terms. And so the model has worked out really well. The community has supported us uh, across the board. Uh, you wouldn't be raising this kind of money from our patient assistance fund if it didn't come from them. And the question for Phoenicia, it's my hometown. So the history of pharmacy in Phoenicia is probably similar to the history of pharmacy in most of the towns, that if you trace it back, uh, there's been a pharmacy there probably for about 80 years. And it was located on the corner, 5,000 square foot space, the largest commercial space in town. And it was one that tried to adapt to the needs of the community. Economically couldn't make it anymore. Closed down, lights went out. So we selected the, the old Riccadella restaurant on Main Street. Now, with our team, I'm able to set up Phoenicia at one-third the price if you were trying to do it from scratch. So we got the economy of scale. We know what exactly what the look and the feel. We know what the training that's required. So we're trying to show that you can get your costs down and still operate a very professional facility. And then we will adapt to what the Phoenicia community wants and needs. The pharmacist that we bring in on board, Josette, she uh, did work at the old pharmacy with Marty Millman. So we're really happy that uh, we're gonna have two locals come back to do this, but we need help. We're not gonna be able to do this on our own against the, the odds, but we can with the strength of the community. And that includes individuals who have migrated from the city and want to invest into their towns. It will be from local people who have done okay and they can help out a little bit more. It can be from the people who just throw in $10 when they can. But together, that little help from the community will allow that to be a sustainable pharmacy. We also going to be partnering with uh, mental health services in Ulster County. So, so if you look at it, the wellness center in a community should be the gatekeeper. It should know all the referral services that are available in the marketplace, all the doctors that are available in the marketplace, where the shortages are, where the strengths are, and help guide people to where the, they can go efficiently, make a few calls. I'm sending so-and-so to come. Not only do you get them there, but you follow up with them afterwards. 
and so we'll just continue to, to adapt to uh, what Phoenicia will need. I would assume Phoenicia will also need emergency medicine like we found up here because of the, the tourism. So we'll adapt to, uh, accordingly. Pharmacy will be just one department within the, the, the rest of the store. Is the transition to a nonprofit model essential for small pharmacies to stay aloft? And what would be your um, advice to other pharmacies in the area? You can increase and diversify your revenue like we have with natural medicine and clinical services, and that helps to mitigate it. But every year, I think there'll be the same situation of going, my God, I thought I had a good year and didn't make any more money. And that kind of wears on you, wears on a family, and it wears on doctors, why they are retiring in record numbers. But I think the bigger issue is that if they were to move into a nonprofit structure, and in effect liquidate their assets so that they hopefully will get as much as if they sold to a chain drugstore, they're doing something much more important. And then they can do more public health, more issues of what they're needed by the community. And if we think that primary care medicine is just gonna come back to rural communities, then we're drinking a lot of bourbon <laughs> because that's just not gonna happen. And uh, there'll be pockets, for instance, uh, Brian Callahan has joined the Medical Associates uh, uh, in Kingston, which is the largest of the independent doctors. What a great timing. Boysville closed down and that would have been it, curtains with the practice. We need to have primary care access points in these communities. The communities cannot just turn around and hope that somebody will bring it to them. They gotta work to bring it for their communities. And an anchor is the pharmacy. The town has to be involved. The educational system has to be involved. The library has to be involved. And then the synergy there comes a time where you get to the threshold where you feel empowered as a community that, no, we're not backing down. We are going to do this. It's the right thing to do for, for our community. Then if you can affiliate with one of the other health systems that are consolidating like we can't believe, but I'm telling you from the economics, no health system makes any money from rural primary care. Why did they do it? They do it because they want the referral revenue going to their central services because they can bill at a higher rate. A lab test, a lab test can be billed at the office, but it can be billed at a higher at the hospital. Outpatient surgeries or whatever. So they're in a competitive environment. So they use rural healthcare as feeder systems, but they're not profitable. So therefore at any given moment, they can get closed down like Boysville just got closed down. We gotta do better for our kids. We've got to get out of ourselves and plan for the next generation. Because in 20 years, they run the country. And they're gonna run the country from their experiences that they have. What does that look like? So we, we gotta be thinking of how do we use the wisdom of seniors to give back to their community so they feel a sense of value and connect these generations together to have learned from each other and have fun. And if we don't do this in these small communities, then the people who are migrating are gonna migrate back. 
or just keep it as a summer home that they'll come up, you know, once every three months. That's not what they want. There's a thirst for community integration and come out of COVID even more so. No reason why we can't have every storefront in, in Phoenicia fully occupied and humming, but it all has to feed off each other. It's a ecosystem where you are going to all rise or you're all going to go down. The pharmacy and the wellness center is important because we see more people who are coming into that community than anyone else. Blood is blood. If they're hurt, they're hurt. So we see the travelers, the tourists, we see the second family homes, we see the locals. Also, what you'll find is that when people move into an area, the first point of entry for primary care is their pharmacy. But I think in the future, it has to be done as a community. So a nonprofit makes sense to me because is healthcare really a for-profit enterprise? Why haven't we declared that it's a basic human right? Like water, like education. What will the nonprofit structure do to insulate pharmacies like this? When I played this thing out, I said, all right, when I retire, there will be another pharmacist where they, they buy me out or they become a partner and I get phased out. What are they going to do when the representatives come on a continual basis? Just a reminder, the bleep here is not to censor Ed's salty language. It's to anonymize a national chain, which, again, could be any national chain. At some juncture, they are going to have a bad quarter. And they're going to have no choice but to sell. And it's lights out. The moment you shift to a nonprofit, you have a board of directors. No board of directors is going to sell the pharmacy. Not that a pharmacist selling is bad or good. They have no choice. The community then has the choice to say, okay, we need to do more fundraising. Okay. We need to do more grant writing. Okay. We need to go to the county government. So you have many more tools in order to meet whatever deficit you might have. But the goal is not to be having a traditional nonprofit that needs grants every year in order to survive, but it will allow the community to invest into public services that are needed by people. There will be someone who loves what we're doing and will make an endowment. Uh, a lot of these healthcare companies have foundations and they're gonna understand what we're doing. Everyone gets treated the same. Everyone is equal. They're all welcome here. And I think the financing will come from the community and from the grants. It just takes time. It's not an overnight event. But I have absolute confidence that we'll be successful. Thanks to Ed Ullman, Greg and Angie, and to everyone at Wellness Rx. And thanks to our sponsors, Hanford Mills Museum, the Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway, and the Mountain Eagle. Production intern, Jared Lyman. CatsCast has a brand new website with expanded coverage, links to our sponsors, and a search feature. And you can click the donate button to support this podcast with as little as a dollar a month. All this and more at catscast.com. CatsCast is a free bi-weekly production of Silver Hollow Audio, and we were nominated for Best Regional Podcast by Chronogram Magazine. Click in the show notes to cast your vote. I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in two weeks.